Welcome to the Motor City Hoops Podcast, your home for all things Detroit Pistons and NBA. Thank you for choosing Motor City Hoops, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to episode 73 of the Motor City Hoops podcast. If you are new to the Motor City Hoops podcast, I'm your host, Bryce Simon, a former D1 Hooper, current teacher, coach, husband, father of three amazing kids, and contributor at Detroit Bad Boys of SB Nation. Before we introduce our guest for this episode, I want to encourage you to go check out episode 72 of the podcast, where we were joined by Richard Stamen, known as at Mavs Draft on Twitter, to get his thoughts on the current Pistons and a look ahead to the 2022 NBA Draft. I also want to thank you for continuing to listen to the podcast each week, as I know the Pistons are struggling right now and morale is low, but here at Motor City Hoops, we will continue to cover this team with the same energy as we have all season, and that will continue next week with an all-mailbag episode, so please send in your submissions. But I felt like the perfect guest to keep that energy level high on today's episode was the man himself doing big things for Woodward Sports Network, making his first appearance on the Motor City Hoops podcast, Brandon Dent, better known as Detroit Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid, welcome to Motor City Hoops, and thank you for joining me. Hey, hey, man, yo, I appreciate the uh, the intro. I'm very, 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 very glad to be on with you. I um, also shout out to Wes and all the preparation. You know, uh, this show, I saw the, the prep sheet. I was like, this is beyond thorough. But uh, I think it's why your your show is uh why your show is getting the following that it is. Well, I appreciate that, and yes, Wes makes my life easy. I hope I re- we got five, four or five pages of notes, and Wes does it all. He's the man. Motor City Hoops would not be doing what it is without Wes. And so, yes, big shout out to Wes. And you know, we were talking before Kool Aid, like you and I were in DC area, you know, playing college hoops at the same time. It's a small world. We were talking about we had to have crossed paths and didn't even know it, like. I mean, just tell the little the listeners just a little bit about your where you played and what you did and, and your time in the D.C. area. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So from 2004 to 2009, I played uh, college basketball at Columbia Union College. It's a small school in Tacoma Park, Maryland. Um, some hoopers that grow up in that area, they'll definitely know the school because of the summer leagues that go on there. Uh, Steve Francis grew up behind the gym. Uh, that's where he learned to hoop. That's where he grew up. Uh, so he, he he gave a lot and donated a lot throughout the years to that athletic program, to the weight room, to, uh, you know, we used to get, you know, two shoes, you know, uh, all the gear, all the Nike gear, practice gear, jerseys, bags and everything. You know, that was all Steve Francis. Uh, so definitely shout out to him. I'll say we were D2 for a few years that I was there and it was a great experience. Really, really good experience. I think our our my favorite or my most memorable experience was um when we played Winston-Salem, their first game, like, D1, we played them on ESPN, and it's the best conversation starter because it got me an instant profile on ESPN. <laughs> so that's, that's pretty cool. But unfortunately, due to, uh, you know, a heart issue, I wasn't able to play in a lot of those games. So after, like, my freshman year, I uh, found out that I had an enlarged heart and uh, really continued to uh, – practice, workout, you know, they tell you don't play in games and so they don't, but you're still playing like, you know, I don't know, 60 hours of basketball a week, it feels. 
that's tough, man. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. I, uh, you know, I know how hard and how hard you must have worked to get there, but I'm, I'm, I love that you still had such a great experience, man. That that's, that's big time. Definitely, man. You know, the DC area was the DMV area in large part, DC, Maryland, Virginia. Uh, it was a great, great time for me, a great experience in basketball. It didn't stop then, you know, it continued on. I was still there for three, four years after continued to practice, ran basketball camps, uh, taught, uh, focused in on the nutritional side of things, and uh, basketball became something more than just a game to me. It became that's where basketball became a fraternity, where it became um, something that helps to build and can continue to build character in people, just depending on how it's wielded. And uh, that was probably my favorite thing about having that experience is where basketball became more like a, a part of life and no longer something that I was chasing to um, kind of accommodate life it, it made it a lot more meaningful for me no so, doubt uh, I appreciate I appreciate the you know uh, I, I often wonder you know man I could have been in an NBA if this not nah. you know I, I appreciate the way the journey went you know because I, I feel like it's uh help me see things a little bit more clear that's what it's about, right? Like, you know, everybody focuses on the end goal and I, and I was the same way and I get it and I understand that you got to have those goals. But at the end of the day, it's really about that journey. And like you said, you, you learn so many things. It takes you through so many paths and meet so many people and opportunities. And I just, I love hearing that you had a similar experience to, to what I and others were able to experience. Just a, a great positive experience, even though it may not have gone the way you had originally planned. But let's get, Let's get into some piss and stuff, man. And so before we do that, I just want to encourage everybody, go check out Detroit Bad Boys. Great Pistons content created over there. A little self-plug. I got a Killian Hayes, Isaiah Stewart offensive breakdown that dropped last week. Um, some unfortunate news today. The, the game tomorrow, or I guess it will be today, so it dropped yesterday. The game versus the Bulls on Tuesday night has been po postponed because of COVID issues with the Bulls. But let's get right into this one. Some other not great news that dropped over the weekend was Jeremy Grant and the torn ligaments in his thumb. What were your th first thoughts? First, when you saw the injury, which was really, really kind of gruesome, did not look good. Um, and then just in general, seeing that Jeremy Grant's going to be out, I think it's indefinitely getting reevaluated in six weeks. Yeah, yeah, it, that's unfortunate, man, for several reasons. And most importantly, first, just for himself personally, like who wants to get injured? You know, I, uh, so that sucks. Um you know, but when I looked at it from multiple angles, I thought one of the biggest ways that this was going to hurt the team, um, obviously the win-loss record wasn't something that the team, you know, he was going to affect much this year. But I believe how he leads the young guys uh, and there's a part of their, develop, their development from uh, being on the front lines with them, being on the court with them, seeing what they're seeing, struggling through what they're struggling, trying to push through what they're pushing through rather than being the guy who might be on the bench, who he still holds value. You know, he's still going to be their, their semi-vet, you know. But I think that you lose a little bit uh, when he's just another mouth along with the head coach and assistant coach, the guys on the bench, your, your trainers, your this, your that. I think you lose a little bit of his wisdom, his leadership, his guidance from a, a standpoint of being on the court with those guys and being in the trenches. Uh, that's something that I, I think might get a little overlooked at first. But um, I, I believe he. I, I hope. I hope there's a way to um, keep him engaged from a standpoint of being a leader, being a voice of that team while he continues to rehab. 
you know, from a standpoint of how bad it looked, you know, I had an injury similar to that in high school, you know, and I didn't get it taken care of and I still have issues with it today. And so I'm, I'm kind of uh, selfishly appreciative that they're taking this precaution, taking this kind of, you know what, let's just make sure we get this thing right. Let's make it indefinite because they're not trying to win or lose necessarily this year. It's not about winning the championship this year. Um, you know, I I believe from a vantage point of, um, you know, them trying to build, and I've been saying this a lot more lately, a, a program rather than just build a team. I say let Jeremy Grant get good. Um, see who you have that can step up, you know, and um, and let that play into uh, hopefully another top draft pick. Yeah, so you 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 bring up who's going to step up, and I was working on an article for Hami Diallo that should be dropping sometime this week, and I I wrote in that article that the silver lining of this because I agree with you, we both you know you brought up your heart you know issue. I, I had knee injuries in college, so we both understand how hard it is to miss time and. You would never wish that on anybody. And like you say, first and foremost, it sucks for Jeremy Grant as an individual player. But if there is some sort of, I don't want to say a positive, but a silver lining, I guess, it's that Hamid Diallo got to start last night or on Sunday night against the Nets. He looked good. He's been taking advantage of his opportunities. So you talk about guys getting to step up. This is going to open up a lot of minutes and a lot of shots. So I guess maybe who are you looking for on the roster? Is it Hami getting to start? Is it another guy who maybe get minutes because Hami's not coming with the second unit? Is it Cade getting more shots? Who are you looking to to maybe take hold of some of the stuff Jeremy Grant was doing on the court through these next six to eight weeks? Oh, yeah. No, when I first heard the news uh, beyond just like, shoot, like, you know, I wish uh, Jeremy Grant wasn't hurt. And that if you know the young guys were going to play without him, I was I would rather it be because the coach is just shutting him down. But my mind after it got beyond that went to, yo, I want to see what Kay Cunningham does now. You know that's what I wanted to do. I, I got a little tired of seeing Killian Hayes come in last year as the number seven pick, as somebody who we were sold, you know, and told, and I still believe he's a he he's someone that can run a team and can create uh, on the fly. I, I wanted to see what Kay can do this year. And I did sense a little bit of though he's he's good, man. He's really, really good, <laughs> really good. But there were things that I was still wanting to see. There were there were times in a game where I felt like he was deferring, not creating and passing to Jeremy Grant, but deferring to Jeremy Grant. And there were moments where I was just like, I believe that Kay Cunningham is actually better equipped to make this. I want to see him actually do. These take these shots or make these plays in these moments rather than deferring to a Jeremy Grant who's trying to develop into the type of player who can consistently be counted on offensively in these, you know, certain uh, certain times during the game. And so my mind instantly went to I want to see what Kay Cunningham can do because they don't have anyone positionally that can really effectively cover what Jeremy Grant covers because he's such a dynamic offensive player and a defender. So my mind went to Jeremy uh, to, to Kay Cunningham. My mind went to Killian Hayes. I knew that a lot more of the ball would be in their hands with Jeremy Grant's usage rate kind of uh, out the window. And then Saban Lee. I actually, it's, it's ironic. I looked at all of the guards because uh, I believe that their usage was going to go up far more than whoever would fill in for Jeremy Grant at the three four position. Um, Sadiq Bay. I was a little. Um, I don't know, man. I was a little. Uh, little disappointed uh, with his output 
with there being a lot more um, usage up for grabs. But um, yeah, it, it, it was really the guards, Cade, Killian, and, and Saban Lee that I wanted to see uh, really step up and, and put this team uh, not on their backs necessarily, but stabilize it. No, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense because the usage does go through Jeremy Grant, the offense, the isolations, and that stuff's going to go away. So it does put a lot more pressure on those guys to make plays, end of shot clocks, end of games. You know, I know that's something that people have talked about a lot with Caden. And, and I want to shift gears now that you've brought those names up just a little bit. We're going to stay with some of those names, Cade, Sadiq, Killian Hayes, and we'll come back to Jeremy Grant here in a little bit. But we we stole this from the Bunning Cardigan mailbag that we, we saw a question that was asked of them on Twitter. We really liked it. And that question was which young guys would you bet are still on the team in 2024 Cade is one obviously I think we all know he's going to be around for a while (laughs) and and he's the only player that is actually under contract he would be extension eligible at that time Um, but you know Sadiq Bey Killian Hayes Isaiah Stewart would all be restricted restricted free agents Isaiah Livers who we haven't seen with the Pistons yet would would be as well everybody else would be you know had be unrestricted free agents or before that how many I guess what I'm really asking Kool-Aid is how many of these guys you see in the long-term plans of the Pistons and Troy Weaver? Huh, well, first, definitely shout out to the Bun and Cardigan show, Nick, uh, James, and those guys. They do some uh, real great work and they keep us all well entertained in Pistons. No doubt. Twitter. No doubt. <laughs> definitely. So I'm glad that you uh, you mentioned them. But man, that's a great question. That's a really, really, really great question. I think for starters, um, definitely Corey Joseph and Rodney Magruder. If you can hint, you know, get a hint of my uh, my sarcasm. <laughs> if Casey is still the coach, then definitely they'll be here. But, you know, someone who kind of intrigues me, I don't know if he will be here long term, but I believe that uh, Motor City Cruise kind of gives him that opportunity to, to, to kind of feel his way through. Uh, Jamarco Pickett actually really, really, really interests me. His skill set, um, what they're trying to have him work on with the Motor City Crews, I know that that's kind of a, you know someone that's low at the end of the roster, but he just as a player and, and his skill set, it, it really, really intrigues me. Um, Isaiah Stewart. <sighs> it's tough. I don't want to get into labeling some of these players too, too early because I know they're all still going through development and they've had disjointed seasons. Um, especially the rookie seasons. But I don't know exactly where his positioning is. I, I see him here long-term um, beyond his next contract. Uh, but I don't think I see him as a starter. I was going to say, I so do you him, see him as a third big, fourth big, something like that? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I don't, I don't see him as that effective every single night. I can bring a certain level of production. I believe he, he's going to bring that work ethic every single night. He's going to play hard every single night. But he, where Drummond excelled on just being bigger and I can jump, double jump before some people have even single jumped, Isaiah Stewart just doesn't have that. So as much as we can see him literally trying probably twice as hard, <laughs> there are just some physical limitations that I believe will, will be there uh, that, that just stops him from being, you know, that that bona fide starter. But if he can have an impact off the bench, maybe not scoring-wise, but just defensively and then not being a liability scoring-wise, I, I could see him as like a, a defensive Corliss Williamson type. You know, maybe not tall enough or big enough to really be that consistent starter, but still very productive off the bench. And that makes him, I believe, productively affordable for a bench player. 
I think it's really hard for people to see any of these second year guys not on the team long term. I think that might change as we get throughout the end of the year as hopefully Sadiq Bey eventually comes out of the slump. But if he doesn't, I know that there's still mixed feelings about Killian Hayes. What about the the non-recent draft picks? Um, yeah. And again, we'll get to Jeremy Crant later. But what what about a Frank Jackson who's played well, uh, has started to find his shot at least lately? Hami's been playing a little bit better. Josh Jackson's in a contract year right now. I, I don't know how people feel about them. What about those type of like which one of that group of guys do you think will will find a spot with this organization for the next four or five years, if any, if any? Yeah, if if I had to just say all or none, I would say none. I would say none of those guys are going to be here by that that 2024. Um, with the early bumps in the road with 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 Hami and Coach Casey, um, uh, kind of earlier this year. Now I get it. He was frustrated. He's going through things. I just haven't felt like since he's been here, he's kind of been what Troy Weaver had hoped. And Hami is is just he's kind of out of that development phase of a player, if you're going to give him, what what would that be? Contract number three for him? Yes. Right. Cause yeah, he, he just got off his second, he, or he just signed his second contract, right? This off season, he would be, Oh, oh yeah. So it'd be his third contract with the scenario we're talking about. Yep. Yep. And at five, you know, at five, five mil, 5.2 mil, that's, that's not a, you know, it's not the biggest, but it's also not the smallest. When we're talking about, these three, two, these three players at the bottom of the roster, that's 13 to $14 million. Uh, Josh Jackson, he's somebody who um, he talks. He said all the right things, that he wants to be here long term. He wants to. Uh, I don't know what money he will or won't accept based on his production. I don't see him believing that he's going to be somebody that commands a whole ton. Um, I, I could see Josh Jackson honestly being here beyond 2024 if he finds himself in a in a maturity standpoint, being able to fill somewhat of a vet role and being an ambassador of Detroit for all the the, the younger players coming in with this being his home. Uh, Frank Jackson is a player that is either going to play himself into a bigger contract that might not be worth worth it to the Pistons for his production or he's going to play himself into being a really, really, really good trade chip, in my opinion. So if I had to pick one out of any of them, I would want it to be Frank Jackson, but I believe it's going to be Josh Jackson. Wow, that's that's interesting. I I, was, I wasn't sure that's where you were going to go. So that that that's really. But I I see your points. I understand them. Um, for me, as you may know, as the listeners know, I really, really like Hami and Frank Jackson. I hope those guys that are stay around for a while. But but I understand where this team is at. And you, and you make a good point with Frank that if he really shoots it at this clip that that I think he can, he may price himself out of being a piston so, or, or turn him – price himself into a trade ship so let's let's stay kind of in this vein and let's take a temperature check on the state of the restoration so I tweeted this out I think about a week ago and I I believe you responded um, but I just want to now get a chance to talk about it with you are you more or less confident in the restoration in Troy Weaver and the direction of this organization than you were 12 months ago at this time. And I just want to give just a few pieces of facts as we go through this. Sadiq Bay was just kind of starting to really come on. Killian was out with his injury. Stewart was still coming off the bench, but playing well. 
Grant was really starting to surprise people, probably leading the most improved player race. Blake Griffin had just recently asked for a trade and wasn't playing. We had just traded Derrick Rose. Um, so and, and Wes put in a fun little nugget. We had Jalil Okafor, which of course meant we were guaranteed to get the number one pick because um, that's what Jalil Okafor did. So Yo, Wes, some, Wes for the win. <laughs> Wes, Wes, Wes is the man. Like we cannot give this man enough credit. Trust me. Um, but – what you know with taking all of those things into account even though this team has been as bad as what it has been to start this season where are your feelings where is your confidence level in Weaver and the restoration yeah man with the restoration i'm i'm all the way there if if we're listening to what they're actually saying you know cluing in and paying attention to you know the little moves that make up uh, the bigger reverberations you know, their restoration is realistically a program build. They're doing something that really hasn't been attempted in with the Detroit Pistons. Uh, maybe since if you go back to maybe Dick Vitale, who tried to build a program, I know Chuck Daly can kind of say he did that. But uh, in today's sense, I feel as if they are building a program. They want if this thing to be from the top down, from Motor City Cruise with the Pistons, everybody within the organization, from talking to Rob Murphy, who is the president and GM of the Motor City Crews, to you know talking with Troy Weaver, they want this thing to be so connected that people know coming in what the program is. They want the same plays down to the same culture to the same, you know, um, uh, food almost, you know, the the same nutrition and such. Uh, and so when I when I look at it from that standpoint then I won't judge the moves based on are we ready to compete for a playoff spot next year? You know, Stan Van Gundy came in and he rebuilt the team and they were ready by year two and they made the playoffs. And Drummond made, what, All-NBA? I think Blake Griffin made All-Star team and and, and whatnot. I mean, not Blake Griffin. Um, I believe, um, uh, who was it? Was it Andre Drummond that year? Did he make all, All-Star and All-NBA? I'll have to look that up. I believe I believe he did. I, I don't know why he wouldn't make one and not the other, but or make All NBA and not All Star. But uh, that was that year, and and I remember that was the the, the year Stanley Johnson was Santa. Yeah, so twenty six twenty sixteen, he was All NBA third team, and was obviously like you say, he was an All Star that year as well, and he was a, a rebounding leader that season twenty sixteen. Yep, yep, and to me. I know that that's not the typical rebuild that people think, but in the NBA, what the Philadelphia 76ers did was something completely different. Teams used to tank, get a pick, and then be kind of right back at it the next year. They didn't do these long, drawn out, I'm taking my time to get it right type of things. They didn't, they, they just never did that. And so as it relates to Troy and Casey, when I'm looking at what they're doing, when I'm hearing what they're saying, and I see the types of players that they're trying to pick, and the fact that they're not just being necessarily patient with young players. Bruce Brown wasn't an older player. Luke Kennard was an older player, but I get it. He had contract decisions that had to be made out. Say cool, though. You know, they're looking for players that fit their their ideology from, uh, you know, a program build. I believe that they want to be San Antonio Spurs 2.0. You know, I, not not that they're trying to be just like them, but from the standpoint of having – this longevity of um, people coming in and knowing what to expect, the same message coming from the same face, from the same figurehead who you know, you know, much like Jim Caldwell, uh, much like Dan Campbell, 
he is a commander of people, of men, and people are very receptive and respecting of him. Uh, so when I look at this team and I look at the moves they're doing, when I see the patience, when I see them saying, hey, you know what, Sadiq Bey, we could have you do the things you did last year, but we need development. See, that's what building a program gives you. You don't have to necessarily worry about time as long as you're meeting your necessary goals. Whereas if you're rebuilding, well, if we're rebuilding, then yeah, I'm going to go crazy about the different, you know, uh, substitution patterns. I'm going to go crazy about the fact that, oh my gosh, we lost another game that gets us closer to the top draft pick. You know, then yeah, I'm going to get upset about, oh my God, say cool this, that, and the other. But then I realized Troy Weaver has this, he has a completely different plan than any of us. We just want the Pistons good as, you know, as fans, as people watching it. But Troy Weaver, uh, he wants to be here, I believe, even longer than Joe Dumars. You know, I, I when I see what he's doing, that's just the sense that I get. And so my faith in them is more or less set in the fact that I love the players they're bringing in. I love how shrewd they're being. I love how they're not really, you know, Troy Weaver is like, yo, this is what I do. Like, I love that about him. And that gives me a little bit more confidence with what's going on. So I don't really hear, you, you know, looking at the game from a certain standpoint that if this was Stan Van Gundy, yes, bro, get Steve Blake out of here. You know what I mean? Get, you know, it's, 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 it's a different, it's a different thing. So I, I'm very confident in what they're doing. I like the, the tires that they're kicking when players like Hami, I like the specific moves they made. I, I actually kind of wish they would have kept, Plumley, I one of the probably few people who believe that if they could have afforded it, that Plumley and um, <laughs> Plumley and Olenek would have been a great pairing uh, on the front line. But uh, I, I assume I'd be in the in the minority. Uh, but you know, I'm I'm confident, man. I, I like what they're doing. I like where they're headed, and I believe that the foundation they're building is one that's very very solid. Well, I, I think, yes, Mason Plumley was underappreciated. He was underappreciated by me. I was one that at times kind of liked to, liked to make light of Mason Plumley and joke a little bit. But I did come around to understand and appreciate uh, at least a little bit what he was bringing to the table. And I think we see that right now with everybody wanting a pick and roll guy. I know he's not a high flyer, but he could finish a little bit. And he was good in short roll passing situations. So you could still feel comfortable and confident running ball screens. But I think what you talked about was just the vision. And I do think it's hard when you don't know, when we as fans and, and you as, as a credentialed media member, you have a little bit more insight than what we get even. But when we as fans don't know exactly what the plan is, whenever we're not around Weaver and Casey and see the everybody else in the organization that has the confidence in that vision, it is a little bit harder to always trust all these moves and everything that's going on. And it's hard to keep track of that vision and understand it. So I definitely understand what you're saying and I'm bought in as well, but I do think as fans, sometimes that can be hard. But I think the forefront of that vision is Cade Cunningham. And so I want to ask you a question that your spot, Woodward Sports Network, shout out to Woodward Sports Network, doing yes, big sir. things. Okay, doing big things. They tweeted out, has Cade actually now exceeded expectations after the slow start? So I want to give you the first chance to answer that, and then I'll give my thoughts as well. But what what do you think about Cade Cunningham, and has he actually gone beyond what you expected to see from him? Hey, look, man, while I'm pouring out the Kool-Aid, yes, he has exceeded the expectations. He has, he has. Because, like, we haven't seen a player of this magnitude – 
ever. We're sitting here to, to if if anyone, like if it's even a question, we're seeing this man go out there and drop 20 consistently. Do you guys understand how happy we were to see Stanley Johnson score 12? <laughs> I, was, like, I wasn't here for the Stanley Johnson years, but I, I've, I've heard enough and been around enough conversation to know that it, it wasn't, it wasn't, ide- it was, it was rough. Yes. Bro, and- bro, listen, don't let them, don't let them hit three threes in the game. Don't let them hit back to back threes in the game. Stanley was it. He was the right pick then. Man, re- refresh that question again. Refresh the question. That, the Stanley Johnson thing got me off. Yeah, I understand. I under, I know it gets everybody a little bit flustered and, and off. So, yeah, just has he exceeded expectations? You know, he's averaging 15.8 right now, points, 6.2 rebounds, 4.6 assists, 1.4 steals. And here's the thing. Here's the shooting splits, Kool-Aid. I'll, I'll drop these on you. But – 38% from the field, 32% from three, 82% from the line. And I know people are going to go, yeah, well, those numbers aren't that great. Me and Wes were talking before you jumped on and we talked a little bit pre-show. He shot awful to start the season, especially from three. He missed the first 18 threes of the season. Those shooting numbers actually, I don't want to say they're impressive, but when you take into account how slow a start he had, they actually mm-hmm. aren't that bad. He's coming into his own. And to me, I don't... I appreciate my expectations were so high for him. I can't say they've exceeded, but he has matched my expectations with everything I thought he was going to be and wanted him to be going all the way back to summer league, the intangibles, all of it. I love to tweet out. He's my number one pick. He's all of our number one pick and we should all be loving it right now. Definitely. Definitely. should. And I have that article coming out soon as well for sports about why we should all be more excited about Kate. And it looks at the numbers, but goes even to more in-depth. Him, his family, his camp. Uh, Shout out to Ashton, the trainer, uh, his cousin and Kay's trainer. Um, Those guys are really, 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 really loving Detroit. Really hoping to put on it. They told me, no, not just the, the city of Detroit, the whole state of Michigan. You know, in terms of exceeding expectations off the court, from before he was even drafted here, just soaking up the love at Tiger Stadium, taking pictures with fans and things of that nature, putting on the buffs and, and all of that, saying, I want this challenge. I'm glad to be here. It's just like, okay, this is awesome. Now I need to see what he's going to do on the court. And what we see him doing, like the exactly the same point you said you had, what you looked at, that's exactly what I looked at. You look at his game logs and you don't see what Coach Casey said. Coach Casey's the one who said, you may see him score – Nine points one one game and then 30 points or 20 points the next. You don't see that. You saw him start off the season shooting and scoring horribly. And then you just saw him turn into a player that if he was doing this from the beginning of the season, we would be saying little Luca or just straight up. That's Cade. So when I'm looking at what he's doing right now, you're saying 16, almost 16 points, almost got guys, 16, almost 16, what, five and five type of a player. If you remove that that early start, we're we're looking at something far better than I in our over unders and all this. Well, his numbers right now are slightly better than where I thought he'd be at the end of the season, and this is with a slow start and then a bunch of consistency. I, I'm I am I am excited. I am excited in terms of overall. He's he's at, but in terms of what he's done since the slow start, he's he's definitely exceeded it. 
Yeah, and well, I think the thing that's impressed me the most, I didn't realize he was going to be as good a rebounder as what he's been. Like, he is he is adamant about going to the boards. I love it. Like, there was the one in Sunday night game against Brooklyn where he kind of ripped it away from Isaiah Stewart, and it wasn't, I think yep. some people may look at it as selfish, but I look at it as, no, let Cade just get the rebound so Cade can start the break. We don't have to outlet it. And I, I just love that aspect of a guard being willing to go and rebound. We've seen him dive on the floor. And then, you, you know, Again, I'm not from Detroit. I haven't been to Detroit. I'll be there in a couple months, three months from now. I'll be there for the first time with my with my lovely wife, and I can't wait to meet everybody. But I, I, so I don't understand how he has embraced Detroit. I don't know all that stuff as well as a lot of you listeners, as much as you Kool-Aid, even as much as Wes. But I, I can tell by the tone of your voices, the people I talk to and how you talk about it, it meant a lot to people of Detroit and people of Michigan that he embraced not just the city, not just the Pistons, but the culture in general. And that stuff matters. He gets it. Whether it's whether it's true or not, he gets it. And I do think it's true. I think it's genuine with him. He knows and he wanted to embrace everything about it. And so I just, I think it's big time. Troy Weaver nailed that. He didn't overthink it. And I'm so excited, as I said earlier. But I want to ask you this, though. If he keeps this up, okay? So if he keeps up what we've seen the last few weeks, is he going to be rookie of the year? Do you think he is? he's going to win that? I, I believe so. I, I, I don't think we're going to see Cade... I'm not going to wood, missing too much time due to injury. And I believe that that beyond his work ethic, beyond his consistency, beyond his his all-around talent, that's what's going to really, really propel him. We've seen the other rookies take some uh, some big hits, uh, you know, miss a lot of time, Jalen Green and and, – and, um, and Mobley missed a couple weeks, yeah. Yep, yep. So uh, Cade has several things. Like Kate, Coach Casey always says the best what availability is availability. So, you know, Cade has that going for him. And like we already stated, man, after the slow start, he he's just clearly been uh, the best rookie. Not not by far. This is a this is shaping up to be an awesome rookie class to me. <laughs> yes, it is. But like I said, shout out to my homie Easy on the Sports Easy, uh, the Speakeasy podcast. Cade was not the safe pick at all. He was the absolute right pick. He was the absolute right pick. And we're seeing it. 15.8, 6.2 rebounds, 4.6. Uh, I mean, 6.2 what? Um, for K, 6.2 rebounds, 4.6 assists, 1.4 steals. And then the shooting splits after the slow start. You know, and then you you, you look at the other things too. Killian Hayes, I saw uh, Fox flash the graphic, was shooting what, 42.3% on corner threes. And right when they were saying that, they showed a clip of Cade kind of crossing across the middle, throwing a pass, you know, a highlight to Cade in the corner, who was wide open because Cade uh, kind of sucked in like two, three, you know, the gravity of the defense pulled in two or three other people, and it left Killian wide open. And like, I, I love this for at least Killian's development, to be able to, to see the game from a different perspective and be able to also be put in a place where you can thrive. And so Cade, we see him rubbing off his effect, not just rubbing off on other players, but putting them in even better positions to score. I saw uh, Beef Stew as well. He gets a couple easy bunnies a game because Cade goes in, acts like he's about to go up with the right hand on the right side. The defense comes in. He shovels it with the left hand over to Beef Stew for easy layup. Um, so it's, it's just, man, I'm I'm excited. The things that he's doing overall, uh, be preseason, I said that um, 
whether it goes to wins and losses, Cade's style of play is a winning style of play. And this was no at doubt. a time when we no were doubt. discussing Cade versus Jalen Green. I said, Jalen might be flashier, but I told people, I told them this coming in, even though you might see him being able to do certain flashy things, he's going to get worn out on the defensive end and that will negatively impact his efficiency on offense. And people just kept saying, but he's just too talented. He's too talented. I said, you have to understand, Cade Cunningham, it's not just body type. It's it's his whole – I mean, it is body type that plays into it, but it's his whole style of play. You know, he might not be as athletic, but Cade is made to take the bump. He's made to take the, you know, spin baseline. He can He can take the bump and finish with the hook over a defender, you know, I always knew that those things were going to translate to the NBA for Kay Cunningham. And those were the things that I said was going to have him sneaking up there. If some of these other guys started off hot first, have Kay sneak up behind and just due to his consistency over time, people are going to be like, this guy is it. He's it. No doubt. And that's, I love that you brought up his gravity because I mean, his numbers are impressive. Don't get me wrong. You know, we've been raving about him, but I think his assists are going to continue to go up as guys get comfortable playing with him. I, th- I don't think sometimes guys realize that he's ready to make the pass or they don't see the opening that he sees or the crease that he sees. And as we continue to get better shooters and just, and as this team shoots better around him, but his gravity is unreal. I do think you know, depending on how high these numbers end up going for him, like if he keeps putting up what he has been lately, it may not matter. But Evan, as you said, this rookie class has been really good. Evan Mobley and Scotty Barnes are both having really nice seasons for their teams. And Cleveland's number five in the East. So just based off winning, I don't know that that always plays into a rookie of the year vote. But if it does play a factor, if Cleveland continues on the run, they're on. And Toronto's right outside the play-in game right now. I could see maybe that being a factor in keeping Cade from rookie of the year. Regardless, I don't really care whether he wins rookie of the year or not. And I don't think you do either. We've seen what we need to see from this man. And we we're both extremely excited, but I want to get back. Yeah, (laughs) I want to get back to Jeremy Grant real quick before before we bring Wes in to play our favorite sheet or sham. But the trade rumors—they've been galore the last couple of days. I was listening to Sirius XM Sunday morning, and they were talking about it. Shams is reporting about it today, and it sounds like even with the injury, these these rumors aren't going to go away. That it's still going to be something. You know, that Shams reports that teams are calling Detroit weekly, the Lakers and the Blazers. Um, I think Sirius XM said Utah Jazz. I saw that somewhere else on Twitter. Two questions here, Kool Aid, for you, and then we'll move on. Do you think it makes sense for the Pistons to trade him if you were Troy Weaver? And secondly, regardless of what you think, do you think we will see him traded at the deadline? There's always a trade that makes sense. But for where the Pistons are, I don't see that trade that makes sense necessarily. These other teams, they're going to offer middling uh, draft picks. They're going to offer probably middling prospects and we don't really need cap space right now. Uh, so me personally, I wouldn't trade them. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you, you stockpile a couple draft picks to try and move up if you absolutely want a player in this year's draft. I can see that. But I wouldn't trade Jeremy Grant this year. Not, 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 not yet. It just doesn't make any sense. Next year, if you get a sense of the complete type of player he's going to be and you have some contract decisions to make and he becomes a more valuable asset from that standpoint, then I could see it. Uh, This year, I think you kick the tires and if you get that home run deal, I don't even know what that would look like. You know, like the the Blazers, 
Uh, I know that they were talking about potentially breaking up that backcourt. And they basically said, and we ain't talking about Dame going anywhere. So if you can get a player, I don't even know if if, if McCollum would come back. If you get a player like that, then, yeah, you look at, huh, how does Cade and, and, and CJ, how do they work as a, as a pairing, as a backcourt? How does this, uh, you know, uh, fit with the rest of the team or whatnot? But I, I just, I don't really see with what they're trying to build with from year two, with what we see them going through right now, uh, with them are still dealing with injuries, I, I wouldn't trade. But as I'm Troy Weaver, and you know what? Hey, pick up the phone, uh, listen to what everybody's uh, got to say. Because what, one thing I know, I, I believe the Lakers and the Blazers are getting desperate. Their stars are getting older. Uh, LeBron has a legacy he's trying to continue on. And Dame Lillard is trying to win a championship. So, at least from those two play those two teams, you know I could see why you know Troy would pick up the phone and 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 listen. Uh, but again, just to reiterate, I, I personally don't see um, too much sense in trading Jeremy Grant this year. That's fair enough. Fair enough. The one thing I do want to reiterate and that I like that you brought up is Troy Weaver seems to leave no stone unturned. And I love that about a GM. You know, people were freaking out because we were, the Pistons were bringing in Evan Mobley for a workout or Jalen Green. I'm like, they should have worked out every single player in the draft. Like, you know, that that's what you do because later on you may get a chance to acquire those players and you want to have your pre-draft notes on them. So it never bothers me if Troy Weaver answers the phone and says, hey, what, you know, what are you willing to give? Okay, well, no, come on. Like Jeremy Grant's our guy. There's no way we're giving him up for that. But And you brought up the contract as well. In that Shams report, I just want to put that out there, and then we're going to bring Wes on. He said that you know the, the contract, the extension that Grant will be eligible for is a four-year, $112 million. That's a, lo- that's a lot of money for Jeremy Grant. Um, and so I, I kind of – I think this will be interesting to see how this plays out. You know, I, I've shifted just a little bit Kool-Aid. I've said, no, we're not trading Jeremy Grant. He came here for reasons – Black city, black coach, black GM. But if Jeremy wants a different scenery, maybe he didn't sign up for this. Maybe since Cade came to town, he sees he's not going to be the number one guy. I don't know. But I'm I'm warming up to the idea a little bit more. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to watch and see how it unfolds. But right now, we're going to play your favorite game, Sheeter Sham, Wes. Come in and join us, my guy. And uh, let everybody know the rules Give, unfortunately, update everybody up on the score, and then let's get this thing rolling. Yeah, definitely. All right. So, um, first off, we'll update on the score. So, Bryce, so far, since we've been keeping score, you have zero wins. Uh, the guests are, are sweeping you right now. They've got two to your zero, uh, but maybe we change that tonight. We, we got to keep the guests. Co- <laughs> we got to keep the guests coming back. We got to keep the guests coming back. That's true. Okay, so you're throwing it is what I'm hearing. So either way, Kool-Aid will be infamous. Either I'll be your first win or I'll continue on the string yes. of guest winners. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Exactly. All right. Well, so uh, we, we talked a little bit about it uh, pre-show, but so it's a bunch of true or false questions. I'm going to this week go through some of the teams we are uh, we the Pistons are going to play, and then also some on the Bulls, even though that got uh, canceled there or postponed. That's uh, going to be a – some interesting ones. So Sheed is true. Sham is false. And if you guys are ready, we'll jump right in. I'm ready. Kool-Aid, you ready? Oh, yeah. All right. So uh, on all these, we'll just start with uh, you going first, Price, kind of break the ice on it. But so first one, Sheed or Sham, 
Vucevic from the Bulls is averaging his lowest field goal percentage of his career so far this year. I'm going to go with Sham. I'm going to go with Sham, too. It is Sheed. Uh, he's actually <sighs> averaging 40% from the floor. Uh, his rookie year was his next lowest back in 2011, 45%. 40%? Wow. Vooch is yeah. only shooting 40% from the field right now? Yep. He's only with averaging 15 points per game, which is also doing? his lowest since 2017. Wow, that's wow. interesting. I feel like they gave up a lot for him to, you know, and, and then all of a sudden they bring in DeRozan. Levine obviously is big time. And so – I. I mean, that was just that, that trade was a lot to bring him in for. I mean, I don't want to say not getting a ton of production, but that's just not probably the production they were expecting to have from him. Yeah, no, that's that's surprising, especially seeing the success that the Bulls are having from kind of the outside looking in. Yeah, yeah. I would assume that I just assumed that he he's got to be having an impact better than his worst. <laughs> Did you guys see his his tweet? By the way, it was going around on Pitts and Twitter right before we recorded. He essentially said like. Um, I think he said, like, hey, piss Detroit, let's just play a game of three-on-three three or something like that. <laughs> no, I didn't get a chance to see that, but that's hilarious. I would actually like to see that. Yeah, yeah. So, All right, number two, Wes. All right, next one. Uh, we're going to stick with the Bulls for this one. Sheed or Sham, Lonzo Ball is averaging a career low in assists per game this season. Sheed. I'll go Sham. It is Sheed. Yes. Ah. DeRozan's probably taken over a lot of creation uh, in that offense was the only reason I went with with Sheed. Yeah, no, he is. So uh, Lonzo Ball so far this year, 4.9 assists per game. Next lowest was back in 2018 uh, when he had 5.4. Uh, this is also the Ooh, worst so assist to turnover much. ratio of his career. Kool-Aid, real quick. I, via Wes, okay, Really like the Lonzo Ball comparison for Killian Hayes. Do you like that comparison at all? Or do you have a comp that you like that you'd like to see kind of Killian Hayes, the a type of player he'd become? I like it. Wes likes it. I think he's a guy that came in with a rep as a true point guard, great passer, which is true about Lonzo and Killian, but Lonzo hasn't really been that true on ball guy within the offense, but has turned into a good efficient shooter which i think we're all hoping killian will become do you like that comp too. at all yeah I and do, the good, and oh, good yeah defense. absolutely the good defense sorry yeah no definitely when when lonzo was uh, up when it, his name was coming up in, in trade rumors i wanted the pistons to take a flyer on either him or markel fultz so when i saw killian i had no idea even about how good killian's defense was i just saw kind of the same vein of player um you know, I've said it before, not that he is, not that he's on his arc, but that Killian reminds me of like a Jason Kidd type. You know, a bigger guard uh, looking to really, really create, looking to create so much so that it doesn't even get him in trouble. There are some players you know all he's going to do is pass and you can stop that. Killian, to me, what stops him is just more or less his confidence, his inability to realize you're a big A guard, bro, <laughs> like with awesome handles. You know what I mean? So go in there and do what you do. Number three, Wes. All right, number three. Uh, we're going to move to the Pacers. So uh, Sheed or Sham, Malcolm Brogdon is shooting 30.4% from three this season. Sham. He got specific go with, with this one, Kool-Aid. Yeah, I'm going to go Sham. <laughs> no, it's Sheed. This is crazy. <laughs> Yeah, he's uh, so he's, it's a, it's also a career low. 
Uh, and he actually, a couple years back in 2018, uh, was in the 50-40-90 club with the Bucks. Yeah. So that's the only time uh, in his career he's done it. So, oh, hold on. Do you ha- so do you have the stats pulled up right now, Wes, in terms of like his – is this his – did you say this is his lowest season? Three-point from- percentage from three, yep. Wow. Three-point shooting really is down across the board. Uh, maybe maybe it really is the ball, right? Didn't a report come out that people are saying it the, the ball truly yeah, is having an effect? Players did too. Yeah. So all right. So to, uh, a quick check on the score for this game. I have one right. Kool Aid's at zero. Um, we still got plenty of questions though. Kool Aid. We got five questions plus a tiebreaker if necessary. So pl- plenty of time to to to, to catch back up yeah, here. Question four, Wes. All right. Question four, and uh, we've got. More than five, we got eight, so we, you know, we can run through it. But uh, okay, <laughs> um, so uh, Sheed or Sham with the Pacers, Sabonis is second on the Pacers in field goal attempts per game. Sorry, you cut out on my end real quick. Just, just I yeah. just need the player. Sabonis, second on the attempt in field goal team in field goal attempts. I'm gonna say Sham. I'm gonna say Sheed. It is Sham. Ah, <sighs> yes. There you go. Yeah, he's uh, fourth. He's behind Brogdon, Levert, and Duarte. Um, Sabonis is at 11.9, and Duarte is at 12.2. Holy cow. I thought he was, would have been third, but I that's what I thought. I, there's no way I would have guessed fourth. <laughs> wow. Yeah. All right, we tied it up. All right, next one. Uh, we're going to move on to the Rockets. So, uh, kind of for the narrative here, Jalen Green, Sheet or Sham? Uh, Jalen Green is the lowest individual plus minus on the Rockets. Sheet, 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 Sheet. That ball don't lie. <laughs> <laughs> I had I had to slip it in there. He's a minus 13.8. Um, Cade, for comparison, is a minus 5.7. Yes, please, for comparison, continue the narrative. I love it. Uh, and there was no <laughs> – hey, everybody – was turning the episode off and unfollowing us if we gave that one a sham. You, everybody was in. I, and again, you as you as the listeners, I hope you guys get a chance to play along and, and you guys do and enjoy it. So I know everybody was screaming sheet at the radio or their headsets or their computer on that one, Kool-Aid. I can hear Wes smiling while he was asking the question. <laughs> Yeah, so for the listeners, we don't do video uh, when we record this. We only release an audio, so we can't see each other. But, yeah, you you could tell uh, Wes was feeling good about that one, and, and we know why. That one was perfect. I love it. So, all right, Wes, next one. All right, next one. Uh, so, staying with the Rockets, Sheed or Sham, Josh Christopher is shooting a better percentage from three than he is from the field. Sheed. I'll go Sheed with that one. You're both right. That is Sheed. Uh, so he's shooting 50% from three and oh, wow. 47.7% from the field. Uh, it's only 1.1 attempts per game from three, but still. I just assumed it was probably because he wasn't shooting that great from the field, but that those are good percent. I mean, that's still a decent percentage yeah. from the field. That's that's. I liked him in summer league when I was out there watching him. I, I know we don't love to give the Rockets too much credit, but um, – I did like some of their young pieces, and I thought I thought Christopher was a, a good looking player. I don't know how much you've seen of him, Kool Aid. No, I thought he was a good looking player too. I I, I assumed it was just going to be uh, due to him just shooting more from outside and taking a few shots from the inside. But yeah, I I like what the Rockets are actually doing. All right, Wes, on to the next one. All right, so we got the last two coming up. Unless we need a tiebreaker, 
and we're tied right now, three to three. Oh boy! All right, uh, <laughs> all right. Next one: Sheed or Sham with the Miami Heat. Jimmy Butler leads the Heat in field goal attempts per game. Sham. Let me go, Sham. Ah, you're both right again. It's Sham. So he's second. He's got a fifteen point two. Tyler Hero actually first, averaging almost eighteen. That's actually, if, if you would have asked for a guess, that's who I was going to go with. And as the listeners know, I, I kind of just box score watch, um, you know, around the rest of the league and to kind of keep tabs on everything. And, you know, every time I catch a Miami Heat get score, it seems like Tyler Hero has a, you know, a bunch of points or He's whatever. He is a bucket. I think I had a dream the other night the Pistons somehow managed to trade for him. I wish I would have woke up and that was true because he would, he'd be a great addition. Um, him and Duncan Robinson. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, all right. We're tied four to four. Wes, in the future, we got to figure out a way that me and the guests can answer at the same time so we don't copy off each other for these situations. I, I'm, I'm trying to think of it on the fly right now, but I can't figure it out. So, um, yeah, we'll workshop that. Yeah. Well, yes, sir. Yes, sir. We'll text about it. So, all right. Last one, though, here. Tie score. All right. So, uh, last one, unless we need the tiebreaker. Sticking with the Heat. There is one player on the Heat right now that's averaging more than. 0.5 blocks per game. Sheed or Sham, that player is Bam Adebayo. Did you get all that Kool-Aid? Uh, not quite. Okay, so it's cutting out just a little bit. So I believe okay. it was more than how many blocks per game, Wes? So currently there's only one player on the Miami Heat that's averaging over a half block per game. Sheed or Sham, that player is Bam Adebayo. That has to be Sham. You said over a half a block, half a block. He's saying only one player has averages more than half a block, and that's Bam Adebayo. I mean, I got to go see if it's only one player that do, does it. So it's Sham. Wow. Yes. yes. Yeah. There you wow. go. Who, so who Bam is only averages 0.3 blocks per game. The only player that does it, I'll give, you know, here you go. You can get maybe a bonus point if you get it right. Guess the player that's averaging more than a half block per game for Miami. Um, Don't say Butler. Hold on. Dwayne Dedman. Caleb Barton. Get out of here. Point six. God, he barely beats it. Are he you kidding me? <laughs> nope. Oh, my goodness. So rim protection is overrated? I only said sham because I assumed there was more than one person, not because it wasn't Bam. That's wild. <laughs> How's that possible? Stat. How did you find that one, Wes? How'd you how'd you get down that rabbit hole? I was just looking at the stats for the Miami Heat as a team, and they just don't have a lot of players blocking shots. That's amazing. That is incredible. Wow, that's a really good one. Even more amazing, dub number one. Hey, I told you. I'm I'm, I'm glad I, I was able to, to to get this for you. I appreciate you, Kool-Aid. And just for that, you know we're going to have you back again. And uh, you, we'll be able to go head-to-head again on the next time you're on and see if you can even the score one-to-one. Um, but I had a blast. I hope you had a blast. The listeners, I hope you guys enjoyed this. Wes, thank you for that sheet or sham. That was a lot of fun. Um, thank you, Kool-Aid, for coming on. Definitely want to have you back and and let everybody know where, what you're doing, where you're doing it, because I know it's big things. And I, I know I'm proud of you and I'm happy for you because I know you're a grinder. And so let everybody know where they can find Kool-Aid and Woodward Sports and all you got going on. 
Yeah, definitely, definitely. We're at Wilbur Sports on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Um, it's the network. We also have at Detroit Kool-Aid on Twitter, on Instagram. YouTube is going to get going. And you can find me on the Speakeasy podcast as well. We do have some other things, so we got to keep under wraps. I know yes, you sir. know what it is, Bryce. It's going to be fun. And, uh, you know, we're going to definitely make sure we involve a lot of Pistons Twitter as well. So we got some really, really cool things on the way. Um, and you can just find me popping up on different live streams. Shout out to the guys uh, at Pistons Talk as well. My homie Anthony. Um, Everything King. Yeah, uh, those are the homies, man. Uh, so you can catch me with those guys. And I can't do our first podcast without mentioning that the first thing I did for Wilbur Sports was with the homie Bryce. <laughs> yeah, that was tough, okay? Uh, so for those of you who don't know, uh, Kool-Aid actually reached out to me, and one, he dropped a sick track on a Sadiq Bay highlight video I put together, and then some background music on a, a video breakdown I did. And so um, if you haven't seen those, I, I don't know where they can check those out on the website yeah, or whatever. Definitely. It, it, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely retweet it, uh, retweet that back out, and I'm actually going to use it in an article that I have coming up. So you're the man. That that was that was a lot of fun. I, I did the easy part of that, man. The Kool Aid is very talented, and I remember when he sent me the track, I was like, man, this is dope. I was just excited that he put that on something I had done, and uh, hopefully we can have some more collabs in the future. We need to, um, man. no doubt, no doubt. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm in. I'm in on the secret with what he's got going on. And, and if you can hear the excitement in my voice, I'm smiling as I talk about it. I wish I could let you guys know because I'm so excited for him. But it's going to be big. It's going to be worth the wait. So, again, thank you, Kool-Aid, for joining the podcast. No, thank you. Thank you, Bryce. Thank you, Wes. I appreciate the invite. I appreciate the thoroughness. And um, I like talking. <laughs> no, no doubt. It was a blast. As I do every episode, I want to make sure and thank the producer again, Wes Davenport, for everything he does. And I also want to thank you for listening, promoting, and interacting with myself, Wes, and Motor City Hoops. Make sure you give Wes a follow if you haven't. We value each and every one of you very much. As I told you a few weeks ago, my high school basketball season's kind of in full swing. The instant recap episodes would be a little harder. I won't have any of those for you this week, but make sure you're on the lookout. I'll start dropping those again with the Knicks game on the 21st as my team goes on Christmas break. As for the next episode, Motor City Hoops will be back on Tuesday with a good friend of ours, Kuka Hill from Locked On Pistons Daily Podcast, who will join us for the second time. And I told you guys that'll be an all mailbag episode. So please, please send in your questions via Twitter, Facebook, or the Detroit Bad Boys website. Thank you. Go Pistons. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Motor City Hoops podcast. Please give us a rating, drop a review, and subscribe. For more content, including video breakdowns, make sure you follow us at Motor City Hoops on Twitter. I hope you join us next episode. Until then, be safe and be well.